Welcome to C-Suite Radio. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to the Open Mic Podcast with your host, Brent Allen. Join us each week as Brett interviews extraordinary and amazing people. At the open mic, no topic is off limits, and you never know who will drop by. Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Brett Allen coming at you live from the Bay Area studios. Happy Mother's Day to you if you're listening, if you're a mom. Thank you for being you. And today we have a fantastic guest, Andy Schindling. He is the founder of the Complete Player Project. I actually found Andy on Podit, who is run by Brent Basham and his team. So thanks, Brent, for introducing me to this fantastic guest. As I mentioned, he is a former major league player, a minor league pitcher as well, the 16th round draft pick for the Baltimore Orioles. I didn't know what that meant until we got into the conversation. So we talk about that as well, but we also talk about his project, the Complete Player Project, getting people from good to greatness, empowering young people, and just a lot of other fantastic things that he and his team are doing. I feel like that this will be a fun conversation for all of us. Andy, welcome into the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, Brett. Sir. Well, yeah, I'm excited to have you. Now, this is the first time I've ever talked to a professional baseball player, so I'm excited about that. I I have a lot of questions, but uh, most importantly, you know, we're going to talk about a lot today, but the complete player charity is really why we are here. But I mean, the I don't want to bury the headline, but you are a, a professional baseball player. You were the 16th round draft pick for the Baltimore Orioles. And I Googled you and looked at your stats. Man, you were really good, dude. So, I mean, what was kind of like life like for you when you started and wanted to play baseball? How did how did that part of your life begin? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, but you're certainly generous after looking at my stats. <laughs> a couple of them weren't too great. But um, but no, I um, I was an athlete, man. I was born to be an athlete, Brett. And um, I guess I. You know, I'm not, I don't brag, I don't boast, you know, but I was fortunate enough to be blessed with skills of being an athlete and where I, I 
excelled and end up being one of the top two players on every team I played on and every sport I played. Baseball was the one that I guess just was my calling. Um, so from the time I was four years old, three years old, and you know, you can move around, throw and hit something, you know, my dad was always out there doing it with me. And, um, you know, as I got older, you know, I guess my parents could tell I was good and, um, you know, always kept me involved with sports. But yeah, I mean, I guess I was just blessed and born to play baseball and sports in general. To be in that category of player status, that's pretty hard work, right? Not everybody makes it that far, would you say? Oh, absolutely. This is probably the first time I share this with somebody that I don't know. But um, for me, I was lucky. Uh, there was a lot of hard work that went in, um, a lot of blood, sweat, tears. Literally, I lost a tooth playing baseball. And But I got drafted as a pitcher without the Orioles ever seeing me throw to a batter. And I was a shortstop in high school. You know, I pitched growing up my whole life. I played shortstop, you know, played every position on the field. But I had a scholarship to go to George Basin to play shortstop and start my freshman year. Um, friend of mine, Brett Cecil, who got drafted by the Blue Jays, been in the big leagues for probably like eight or nine years now. He went to our rival school and scouts came to watch him pitch. Orioles scouts saw me play short. Um, I threw a kid off my knees in the hole at, uh, at shortstop. He asked my pitching coach, can I pitch? And said, yes, you know, you should come check him out. You know, the day he came, he ended up leaving before I got in. Um, but they invited me to two trial camps, one at, at the Bay Sox Stadium in Bowie, one at Camden Yards. And uh, I got to pitch in front of Flanagan and Beatty, who were the GMs at the time. And uh, after my fifth pitch, Flanagan stopped me and said, uh, you know, Andy, do you know who Jim Palmer is? And I'm like, yeah, no, you know, I, I grew up in Bowie right down the street. You know, love the Orioles. He goes, and I'll never forget this. He said, son, I don't know what it is, but you remind me of Jim Palmer. And I'm there and they're like, uh, okay. Probably because I was six foot, 150 pounds, looked like a string bean or something. But um, so I guess at that point, you know, they liked me and, and took a chance because nobody in the world knew who I was. So for them to take me in the 16th round, you know, I guess I, I knew they kind of liked me. So I was going to sign. So if you don't mind me asking, like when you get to that point, what happens when when you get to the 16th round? Like, I'm not super familiar with how that whole hierarchy works, but to make it that far, I, I imagine is is good to be able to get to that level. But what separates players from being in that level to actually making it onto the team <laughs> and and playing actual game time? Um. So just. I guess if I'm understanding your question correctly, what stands between a minor leaguer and a big leaguer? Yeah, what stands between yeah. a minor leaguer and a bigger leaguer? Like, like what's uh, the difference? Outside of talent, um, because once you get to professional ball, you know, especially, you know, a double A ball, I would say double A or more, even though I never made it there, just seeing the guys that were there. Everybody has talent. Um, everybody's good. So in my opinion, it's uh, who you are as a person. You know, I know you may have heard the, the you know, the, the term clubhouse guy. And I know um, Cody Ross is on ESPN all the time and in Veritech. And, um, you know, and I they said it, you know, I was I was around because I was so and so's catcher. You know, I was Lester's catcher. And part of that, though, was because they were such good clubhouse people. And, you know, it just comes down to who you are as a person. Um, you know, do people like you? Uh, are you a good teammate? You know, do you handle yourself properly off the field? Um, 
to me, that's the biggest thing. And that was my biggest flaw, um, just being immature and, and really just dumb um, at that age and not being able to figure that out. But I would say that's the biggest thing is everybody's got talent. Everybody's good, you know. Um, but I would say it's that being that clubhouse guy. But also it does take a little bit of luck, you know, in the sense of, you know, a friend of mine, Corey Spoon was the minor league pitcher of the year, you know, won a championship in Frederick. I think he almost threw two perfect games that year. You got one of them being in the playoffs. He was, you know, throwing 94, 96 with a dirty, dirty curveball. Got, you know, his door to the big leagues was, was open and getting pretty wide. He's on the 40 man roster. Got injured, door shut, never got a chance again. So, you know, it takes it takes a little bit of luck, I would say, but you know, definitely being a clubhouse guy and a good person, in my opinion. I find that so very interesting because I feel like anything like that is so competitive. And we were experiencing, you know, spring training here as of lately. And we were watching all of these guys come through and were trying out to be on all these different teams. And now everything has come to a complete and total halt uh, because of the current state of affairs, the coronavirus, all of that. So I'm just curious to get your opinion with everything now being on hold baseball wise. Do you foresee us being able to have baseball this year? Or do you think, I mean, how does all of that work? It's kind of a multifaceted question like, I know it all requires a certain amount of time to get things up and running, but I'm curious to get your perspective. Do you think we will see baseball as of right now, or do you think too much time has already passed and they're just going to bypass it completely for this year? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, being almost 10 years, uh, yeah, almost 11 years removed from the game now, um, it's kind of hard to tell what the scope is going on in the game, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a little more educated on myself around what's going on in the world. And I, I, unfortunately, I'd probably say, we're, you know, we're not going to have it um, due to the, the, the economic instability or crisis, whatever you want to call it going on right now. Um, you know, I'd be shocked if we got a full season in like they're talking about. Um, excuse me. I think I think lucky. If at best, if we can get back in, you know, middle of July, coming maybe what the normal All Star break would be, I think that would be our best bet. Um, you know, as for for a minor leaguer, I don't, <laughs> I don't think they're too concerned about them. Um, they're not. That's not making any money. So I think they're done. You know, and just to um, to touch back on your last question because it just came to mind of what separates is, is your mentality too. You know, that mentality that and it sounds crazy. But I'm telling you, they, they, this is a lot of this, how, how you have to think, in my opinion, is you have to believe you're the best. When you step on that field, you have to have the attitude that you're the best player on the field and that you're better than anybody that you're playing against. And not in an arrogant way, but if you don't believe you're the best, then you're not going to succeed, you know, because if you believe you're the best, you'll be able to be resilient, uh, be able to bounce back, um, and you'll have that mental toughness. But uh, so I would throw that in there, too, not to go back on that. No, no, I love that. So I want to transition. So you played baseball for 10, 11 years and then stopped playing. And you kind of touched on that a little bit. So I want to just jump in about the Complete Player Charity Foundation. How did that come about? What motivated you to start that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, once when I was playing, I knew I wanted to give back to kids. You know, if I made it to the league and was successful, you know, I was giving back to kids was something I was going to do. Um, when I was done playing, got released and started school, you know, I still had that itch to give back. You know, I always like kids. Um, 
And I knew that the reason I got to where I was was because of the mentors that I had through coaches um, and and them pouring into me is really what got me where I was. So I always wanted to give back. Um, When I graduated from Towson in 2015, I approached a friend who I met by coaching his son and um, told him I wanted to start a nonprofit. You know, I realized kids were losing opportunities to play baseball because of money. So I wanted to go out and raise money to give the kids so they could play baseball and hopefully get the same opportunities I had, which the intent was, can we develop them and help them get to, you know, a private school where they're going to get better baseball, they're going to get a better education and get an opportunity. Uh, We did that for two years and we gave away just over $22,000 to 33 kids. Uh, We even started a couple teams by money we raised, Um, but it just really wasn't scratching my itch. You know, I had this desire in me to really you know, make a deeper impact to impact the individual as a person and help them to not be me. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is, is not to be somebody that floated through life, um, just going where your talent took you in sports and going where the wind blew you off the field. So that's really my drive right now, fueled by hearing a quote of even a dead fish can float downstream and get somewhere and realizing I was a dead fish for, you know, damn near 10 years of my life even as a professional athlete, which is the reason I never reached my full potential and made the decisions I made that led me out of baseball. So that's really the driving force now. And with that, we've transformed into doing after-school programming focused around business and leadership for middle for middle and high school students, um, where we're teaching them about marketing, accounting, data analysis, business presentations, a lot of the 21st century skills of collaboration, uh, problem solving, perseverance, resiliency, all in an attempt to develop leaders. Um, and, and our definition of leadership is a lot, I wouldn't say a lot different than most, but you know, I believe um, every person's a leader. I believe we're all born to be leaders, developing those skills, those interpersonal skills and beliefs that we try that we're trying to unleash youth leaders mm-hmm. um, and really equipping them with the knowledge, the skills, the capabilities to go out and make a, a difference in the world. And that way, you know, that's that's really that's really what I'm about. And I believe if, if I can impact kids to go out and make the world a better place and help them reach their full potential, then I did my service while I'm here. So where do you think the breakdown is when it comes to these kids not being able to recognize or perhaps be able to be aware of that they have the, the capability to be a leader? Um, well, let me ask you a question. When was the last time somebody told you you're capable of being a leader? Fair enough. Yeah. I, I don't even know that I can remember, you know, quite honestly, I know my, my parents <laughs> uh, turning into a therapy session, you know, they never, ever said that. You know, I think I can't even recall at all, actually, to be honest, that, that anybody's ever said that. And generally, when you tell somebody that you, you can be a leader, your first, generally, their first inclination is, well, I'm not going to be able to get somebody to do something, right? And that's mm-hmm. not to us. That's what that's not what leadership's about. We're not trying to get people to do anything. You know, we're trying to better ourselves and become the best versions of us. That way, our actions inspire people to follow us, and that leads to them actually doing something. Um, but to, just on that point is one. I think part of the problem, at least in the communities we're serving, is parents aren't invested, and whether they're single parents or two parents, you know, the world. Is, the way it is, is both parents got to work. So who's at home with them after school? You know, who's there to tell them, you know, th- that you can be a leader when most people don't even think they're leaders themselves and don't really, in my opinion, don't understand the true definition of leadership, that they can be leaders. And 
And so I think it starts at home. I think it starts in the schools. You know, schools are overcrowded. Uh, it's not a it's not a, a great environment for all kids. You know, you got um, different populations. Everybody learns at different rates and in different times. And teachers get frustrated. You know, I'm in the schools now, and you know, if I got a bad day, I may say the wrong thing to to a certain kid, and that may just demoralize them, right? And mm-hmm. so I think I think it's a system, man. To be honest with you, oh, uh, and just not enough people out there telling these kids that you got what it takes to be a leader. Let me just show you, and then pour into them and show them how. Yeah, and I think even probably the biggest problem that I've seen is they you probably have more people telling kids that you're not a leader versus you are a leader. Would would you say that to be true? Yeah, and I think they may not say it in those words, but I think what they say to kids in different words is how they take it. And then if you think about social media, I mean, and YouTube and this and that, there, I don't know what the definition of a leader is to a t- kid these days. You know, for me, it was Cal Ripken. You know, nowadays it's YouTubers and people making money playing video games and all these musicians out there and these celebrities who influence in these kids just because of how many likes they got and how many followers they got. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, what the kids are being uh, exposed to at such early ages, you know, um, kind of influences, you know, the wrong definition of a leader. Yeah, you said something that was interesting to me, making money playing video games. That is just mystifying to me that that's even like a thing. You know what I'm saying? I, I agree. You know, I'm not knocking it because. No, not at all. I don't think nobody- you are. If somebody wants to watch you play a video game and enough people watch you and you get paid for it, you know, great. But yeah, I'm with you, man. Like, don't get me wrong. I play, you know, athletes play a lot of video games. Believe me. Uh, we got a lot of free time on our hands. So we play. Yeah. A lot of video games. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's crazy. It's definitely crazy that you can get paid millions of dollars to play a video game. Yeah. I mean, my five-year-old watches people play video games all the time. And I see these stats, you know, 7 million views. And it's like, somebody's getting paid for my kid to watch, not to digress, but it's unbelievable. So if I'm understanding you, the breakdown comes to a place of like the education system, not necessarily maybe maximizing their influence per se on their kids. And you guys come in and you sort of help boost that, right? Like as far as like taking those kids and saying, you do have the capability, you do have the initiative and the drive to get there. Now, is there a particular type of student that you're looking for? Do you have an application process or can anybody apply? That's a great question. So no applications right now. You know, in the past, we've, uh, you know, what we have what we call AVID, which is a program in, this, in the middle schools and high schools um, where I would go speak to the AVID kids, talk to them about the program. That's how we initially got started in our first school. Um, that has kind of led into you know, really relying on the principal to get their team together to kind of pick some students who they think either needs it or would be interested in it or already show some leadership qualities that they think can benefit from it. You know, ideally, in a perfect setting, we would get 20 students out of school where eight of them are C-level students and the rest are A-B. That way, where, you know, I'm a big believer in peer-to-peer modeling, that the our hope would be that being surrounded by the higher achievers would help lift them up. Um, but, you know, over the last two years of doing this, I think we will move to some type of application. It really, it's just you got to have the desire to want to be there. 
Um, you know, we entered a high school for the first time this year. Didn't know what to expect with ninth graders. Found out they're very similar to eighth graders, just a year older. <laughs> but, but you can see that their brains are clicking, but you can also see that they're influenced more by their surroundings to where maybe they, they're a little standoffish. But we don't have an, a, an actual application. We're really trying to turn to the teachers, the principals, and the administrators to get a, select the students that they think will benefit from the program. But, but again, I think we're going to move to a different model. As we move forward that way, we know we're getting the right kids because we have some very dedicated kids, but then we got some kids that are kind of, eh, you know, they're very engaged, but when we ask them to do things at home, they're kind of like, eh. Um, but all in all, I mean, we've seen great results with the way we're doing it now. I just feel that we can be doing a little better. Yeah, I think you guys are doing great work and just going through your website and looking at the opportunities that you give kids. It's spectacular. I think for me, I'm 45. When I was growing up, you know, we had big brothers, big sisters. You know, there were like different organizations out there, but there wasn't really anything doing what you guys are doing. But today there are hundreds of them out there. And I guess my question would be, and, and not to play gotcha, but I am just curious, you know, what do you think separates what you're doing from the other programs that are out there who might say that they're similarly doing the same thing? Yeah, that hey, that's definitely a fair question. Um, first, I'd like to just, I think the way we put it all together, um, especially at least in our area, you know, there, there are organizations that do stuff on business development, on entrepreneurship, on teaching kids about money, um, but they're really isolated curriculums. You know, in the sense is it may be, well, here's going to be seven weeks on what it is to be an entrepreneur. And we're just going to teach you straight entrepreneurship. Um, and or, yeah, you know, we're going to do a financial literacy course and we're going to teach you financial stuff where ours is a very holistic program where it incorporates all of the business, um, a lot of the so- social, emotional and EQ intelligence um, where I guess the biggest difference for us is we actually take kids to the to the work de- to the workforce during the workday. So we got business partners where we take our kids to get hands-on experiences of what it's like to be in a job. Okay. And I don't know anybody. I do know people that do it. Not quite sure if they do it like us, but our holistic program that incorporates the the career um, awareness, the um, the the leadership development. And the, the business aspect where kids are given presentations, whether it be on the fictitious sport franchise, a product that they created out of recycled material, or what we really moved into this year is service learning where students come up with community projects that they implement in their community. And to top it off, what I know nobody else is doing is we're taking an adult leadership development Wow. Program and tailoring it towards middle and high school kids. And what I mean by that is we've got a partnership with Skyline Technology Solutions and their chief learning officer, who's the former director of leadership at the Naval Academy. Skyline, that's they even though they're a technology company, they get hired to go out and do leadership consulting and training for other businesses. And we're taking a very adult centered program and tailoring it towards, again, the middle school and high school. So I know nobody's doing that. Yeah, I don't know too many companies that organizations like yourself that actually take somebody into the workplace. So that's very cool. 
Do you help them with other things like resume writing, how to conduct interviews and all of that as well? Yeah. So that's a great, great question. Um, right now, no. Hey, we say that, I say that because we've really dealt with sixth to eighth graders and I'm not okay. too young with it, but the way that our, um, our programs are, are being formed is it's going to be a progressive program where this year we had ninth graders as a pilot program. You know, once, once we get to that 11th grade, 10th grade um, time frame, that's when we're really going to start incorporating those skills. Um, where 10th grade is going to be a college career readiness along uh, on top of leadership, where we're going to go over those the resume stuff. We're going to go over mock interviews. We're going to do all that to get them start thinking about college and the workforce. And then in the 11th grade year, we're going to look to get them some um, mentorships at businesses with our business partners. Um, but not right now, um, again, just because we've really been focused on the middle school. And I launched this program without ever even doing it. So every for the last year and a half, it's been do it, learn, grow from it, make it better. Do it, learn, grow from it, make it better to where we're really solidifying everything right now. How do you guys go about funding since it's nonprofit? Are you reaching out to different business partners and saying, hey, are you willing to trade you know, time for advertisement? Because I imagine that there could be some sort of cost that is incurred from what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I mean, just, you know, for next year's, for next school year, we need 85 grand just to run our program. So so right now we've been fortunate enough to get a couple grants um, that help support our programs. We do an annual dinner, you know, I'm praying that we can get it in this year. Uh, It's got to be postponed, but we also do an annual golf tournament. And then um, just fundraising from individuals. And then, like you mentioned, you know, we'll go to businesses and say, this is what we're doing. Would you like to get involved? Okay, here's how you can get involved, whether it's $500 to pay for a bus to come to your business or you're going to give us five grand to really help us run this program. Now, I know that you talk a lot about your faith. And so I think that's where you and I share kindred connection. I was a youth pastor for years. And so I know how that part goes. Yeah. Um, is this program faith-based as well, or is, are they two kind of mutually exclusive things? I'm just more curious than anything else. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I wouldn't say it's faith-based. Um, however, it's certainly fueled by faith, sure. but also, you know, the mentions of, you know, God and uh our our do happen in the program okay uh, you know it's not where we you know we 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 set an intentionality of all right guys you know we we believe in Jesus or this or that because we I do know we do have non-Christians in our program sure um but it's certainly fueled by faith um the mission I'm on right now is really come about as I mentioned earlier that through a dad that I met he also brought me to the church in 2014, I got baptized then. And since then, it's just the vision's been clear. But it's certainly fueled by faith. And, you know, a lot of the uh, the traits that we're teaching about leadership, you know, you can we, we do tie somewhat into some some scripture. Um, but we do. Again, we do have a conversation of, you know, you know, you were born with God given talents and abilities. We're really trying to draw those out of you so you can experience what God created you to be. He created you to be successful. He created you to be great. We're not, I guess, classified as a, you know, faith-based program. I mean, if you were, I would say that's cool. But, you know, I I think that it's good to have those common principles. And they, I I think they definitely drive us as humans. I know for me, you know, as a podcaster, all my years of counseling classes and training and certificates, I feel that helps me talk to people and interview them. 
And <laughs> not to brag, but it helps me get things out of people that they probably normally wouldn't talk about because I don't know. People tell me that all the time and I'm like, well, I'm just being me, but I think that's cool. And I'm, I'm glad we were able to connect. I would like to have you back on again, you know, in the future and kind of get updates a little bit about how this program is working. And I honestly hope that all of this turmoil that's going on in our world doesn't affect you guys horribly as far as what you're doing. Are you able to still keep operating to a degree because of all of this? Actually, really, I mean, it's certainly good. it could hurt us um, in, the, in the coming months, but, you know, it's actually been an opportunity, man downloaded zoom and created got a little package with them and we've been meeting virtually thing i'd like to share right now and hopefully we can you know if you can get this out soon is our kids came up with the idea of of getting a thousand letters written to doctors and nurses and medical professionals or or going online and and making a video and really just right and showing your appreciation um showing your love and, and words of encouragement because they're the ones on the front lines right now. So we we just uh, put that out on social media. We're really trying to get a, le- a thousand videos or, or letters. And you know, if you put a if you put a video out, just a um, tag a hashtag TCP Youth Empowerment Cares. Um, or if you want to write a letter and, and send it to TCP Youth Empowerment at gmail.com, we'll print them out. We got connections in the hospitals, at least in our local area here in the Baltimore area, that we're going to get these these letters delivered to the nurses and medical professionals and doctors that are out there risking their life. I absolutely love it. So we've talked about a lot of different pieces. And at the end of the day, you know, what is your elevator pitch for this organization? Like if you had parent who was considering signing their child up or you were going to a school, what would be your elevator pitch to really get somebody connected and to want to be involved or maybe to even financially support your organization? Yeah, man. You put me on the spot tonight. I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> um, That's what I do, but it, I, I, I don't mean it in a malicious way. No, like, I'm no. just curious, you know, like what's your pitch? Like, what do you do to get people? Like, what do you want people to get from all of this? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's definitely, and it's funny you say that because I don't think I've really ever, I guess I've pitched people, but not knowing I've pitched them. Um, you know, I, really what I, I try to tell parents is we're trying, we're out here providing a transformative opportunity for your child. We're really trying to educate them on the workforce, um, and equip them with the, sk- the skills needed to be a leader. And it's a leader of themselves where they're ready to hit the world at 18 and, and run and not be held back by any limitations of, of self-confidence or, or self-belief where they're, they're ready to just rock and roll. Um, and, you know, when we talk to, you know, potential donors and, and people that may want to invest in what we're doing, it's, it's, you're really transforming a life, um, you know, because we're firm believers that it doesn't matter what skills you have, what talents you have. If you don't have the self-esteem and the self-confidence to go out there and do and believe in yourself, you're never going to reach your full potential. And our kids are struggling these days with that self-esteem and self-confidence because they're always being, you know, approached whether it's social media or in person about, you know, what they're wearing, what they're doing. They're getting peer pressure from all different angles these days, and they're really getting beat up mentally. And we're really trying to provide them with with that that confidence and self-esteem to really go out there and make a difference in the world. And especially in times of now where, you know, the world's struggling is how can we influence and be leaders? And really, that's what it's about. And when people invest, they're not just investing in an organization, they're investing in the kids because our organization is our program. There's really nothing else around it. So you're investing in the lives of the kids in the community that are going to be out here making differences in the world. I love it. Well, I'm excited. And I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. And I think that there needs to be more of this out there. And 
somebody, if somebody wants to, and all of this information we will have on our show notes, but if somebody wants to connect with you or get involved somehow, how can they find you and how can they do that? Organization's website is tcpyouthempowerment.org. Um, you find a lot about you know what we're doing, what we've done, and where we're going. You can follow us at TCP Youth Empowerment on Instagram and Facebook and at TCP underscore YE on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I post a lot of content on my own personal page on LinkedIn at Andy Schindling. Um, that's spelled S-C-H-I-N-D-L-I-N-G. Um, that's really where you can find us. Um, you know, our, our web content is definitely increasing due to this, you know, COVID, is a, as I mentioned, I think it's a, a opportunity for us. But that's where you can find us. Um, and, you know, feel free to, to hit us up. You know, I respond quickly to everything that I can. If you got any questions, comments, concerns, advice, whatever it may be, I'm open to hear it. Well, Andy, thank you so much, my friend, for uh, taking the time to hang out and chat. I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds. And I think uh, my listeners will definitely benefit from this. Thanks again, brother, for joining. I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you, Brett. Appreciate you having me on here. Thanks for choosing to join in to this week's episode. Be sure to follow the show on social media, Brett's Open Mic, on all platforms, and to subscribe to the show on your player of choice, which is absolutely free. Finally, please consider sharing this episode with a friend. Every little bit helps. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.